Okay, are we ready to start now? Are we? I don't know. Are I'm we? asking you. Are you really ready? Are you ready emotionally? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Imagine me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing pretty good. Today, we're talking about Revolutionary Girl Utena, episode 20, Wakaba Flourishing. And I have a lot of feelings about it. How do you feel about this episode, Alice? This whole, like, the show made me incredibly sad the first time I watched through. I just was this sort of, like open mouth horror as everything I suspected came true. This episode is super fucking sad. So just strap in, folks, because I got a lot of emotions. I got a lot of opinions. I got a lot of things to say about this episode because I just watched it and I had, obviously, I've seen it before since I've seen the series through once before, but it just hit so much more watching it this time for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I was paying more attention or something, but like, man, yeah, this, this one's rough to watch and feelings and I love Wakaba so much and since this is an episode about her being sad obviously I don't like that because making Wakaba sad is a crime punishable by law title is Wakaba flourishing that certainly that means she's happy Uh, you would think that wouldn't you and you would be so wrong what a what a an inappropriately named episode yeah it's kind of an interesting title and maybe we can talk about that more once we actually finish watching the episode because i have a lot of feelings about the content but i hadn't actually given as much thought to the name of the episode and now that you mention it it is sort of contrary to the content in a way uh a little bit of a warning up here at the top folks uh i am having extremely bad allergies today and so i'm on cold medicine so if i get rambly or maybe a little loopy at some point i'm very sorry but i'm trying i'm soldiering through this for you the people and for alice my trusty co-host you ready to start if there are any sudden crashes it's because i'm fighting my cat to the death Um, okay well good luck I don't know who I I don't know who I should root for in this situation. I love you both. I'm gonna need more help than she will. <laughs> Wakaba is walking, and we hear a couple of disembodied voices catching us up on Seonji's situation. In case you forgot that he was expelled, because you don't care about Seonji, because he's a burning green trash fire. He was expelled because of reasons, plot reasons. Because of ultra violence. Yes, because of ultraviolence. And uh, two of the girls are, one of the girls is teasing the other girl for thinking Seonji was cute. But now they're like, wonder where he is or what he's doing. I bet we're about to find out. What does Wakaba have to do this? This world doesn't seem to make sense outside of the school, except that suddenly it does. Like, it actually looks like a real town outside now. You know, which is the first. Is this the first time that we've seen outside of Otori in a, in a larger scope? I, I time we've ever seen anything normal in this entire show. 
well, that's not normal. Sayonji's sitting there on the floor in like a like a denim jacket, it looks like. Look at him smiling. I hate his stupid smile, and I hate how if... happy Wakaba is to see him. Pretending to be a human. Pretending to be a human. He's good at it, but don't be fooled. I wish I could reference new Twin Peaks, but you haven't even caught up on old Twin Peaks. I like that we see here that Wakaba was looking at a couple of mugs that have little ram faces on them when she was in the market, and then she bought them on the way home for her and Seonji. And if you notice, oh, notice the one with the, the one of the mugs has a one of the rams has a pink bow in its hair like she wears, and one of it, them has a little green bow on like its chest like Seonji's hair color. Seonji is talking about how he feels like he's imposing on her and she just wants to be happy to be of any help to him and she just wants to help him get back into school and Seonji's crying and I hate him so much and I have so many things to say about Seonji after this is over. He's sobbing and saying thank you to Wakaba and... He, like, grabbed her hands, and she seemed a little uncomfortable about it, but now she's just like, um, your coffee's getting cold, and denim this jacket, green so trash weird. fire. Yeah, this interaction is a little weird. Where, like, the only thing he can come up with to, like, compare her to is Joan of Arc? Really? Yeah, I thought that that was weird, too. I'd somebody has, at the stake. Somebody has come to Wakaba's door and they're asking about how she's doing and they go uh you're really sweating and she's like oh i just don't feel well the person at the door says that they thought they heard her talking to somebody and they think something else is going on and wakaba says oh no i was just praying to god i'm a really religious person you know because that's something we definitely know about wakaba is that she's super religious that's pre-established believable she manages to get the girl at the door to go away so that Seonji can come out of hiding. <laughs> and he like crab scuttles out from under her bed and then does like a hair flip. So Seonji. Because he has to do the hair flip. It's like contractually obligated. This is my secret. Mine and his. A secret only we share. Oh, Wakaba, you poor precious baby. Like it's, for a second, I almost can be fooled into thinking that he's maybe decent on the inside, but Absolutely no. not, and I have so many things to say about that when this is over, but no, no, he is not a decent person, and Wakaba is thinking about him, and she's thinking about the fact that he, like, put her love letter up on the wall for everybody to laugh and make fun of, but, and she's crying about it, but, like, you know, now she has him. Know- Though, uh, you know, if I, if you think back to the first episode, he never actually explicitly says that he did it. I think that we can reasonably think that he did it because he said that he, like, weird threw it in the trash and that somebody else wanted it, put it up. But I don't buy that at all. Wakaba is walking past several groups of people who keep inviting her to do stuff with them, and she keeps saying no, because she's got to get home. And what everybody doesn't know is that she's got to get home to her precious Seonji, because now she's special. As long as she has this secret, she's special. And my heart is breaking! Doesn't she know that she already was special? I know! There's Utena. Utena and Wakaba sitting in class, and Wakaba seems to be 
I don't know, something, she seems like something's off about her, and it seems like Utano was sort of staring off into space, looking at the back of her head. You know what's really wrong? Wakaba hasn't, like, interacted with Utano at all this episode. Oh, don't tell me that. Eight minutes in, and Wakaba has not interacted with Utano at all. We get a bunch of shots of Wakaba flourishing. Maybe that's, I mean, she does seem to be incredibly happy. Uh, but it's not. Utena's uh, doing her stretch thing. Alone with her insanely long legs. Well, she does have those shoujo legs. Stretch her shoujo legs in front of Wakaba until she notices. Utena asks Wakaba if something good has happened to her lately because she seems really cheerful lately. And Utena says she even seems prettier. Oh, that hurts me deeply that she said that. Oh. Oh, Utena seems just... worried, but not worried enough, I don't think. But now she's talking to Akio, and why is she posed like that? She's doing a weird, like, back stretch handstand is she thing. Doing yoga? I have no idea. I didn't actually notice that the first time that I watched this episode. But yeah, she's talking to Akio and she's doing this weird stretch thing. And he's talking about how Wakaba is special because Utena thinks she's special. And how Utena is special because of the special nature she was born with. And then now we're back to Wakaba and Seonji in her apartment. They're still talking. Akio is still talking about her, but over scenes of Wakaba and Seonji. Seonji seems to be whittling something over there. Are you also surprised that Seonji has actual skills? I don't know that. I feel like I feel like anybody who puts effort into whittling could whittle something simple like that leaf hairpin that he makes. Like, I don't want to seem like I'm, like, belittling whittling. Now I feel bad because, like, I could barely draw a straight line. Be whittling. But I don't want to seem like I'm, like, making light of the skill that it takes to whittle things. But I feel like something simple like that, if he really tried or if he was bored enough, he could probably figure it out. But I agree, it does seem weird for him to have, like, an actual skill. And Wakaba's looking at herself in the mirror with the hair clip in her hair, and she says that it's perfect, and a tear falls down her cheek. And I love her so much. Why does she let him do this to her? Something, I love that, I don't, oh my gosh, like, and there she is, chopping for meats. She's being domestic and keeping him updated on the goings-on of the student council. It just kills me that, like, she hasn't interacted with all, basically, outside of that one conversation that Utena kind of made her have. Yeah, she hasn't, she hasn't been doing her Utena, 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 my love. And Seonji asks about Anthe, and Wakaba clearly breaks a little bit, even if she's not trying to. Uh, She's shopping uh, for meat again, uh. and... Thinking about how if Seonji gets back in school and he stops living with her, then he's going to forget all about her. And, oh. And then the rose is plucked. Oh, that sounded weird the way you said it. Oh, right. Seonji is painting the hair clip that he made for Wakaba. You know, he's probably using, like, her materials. He probably got wood from, like, her, like, around where she lives and is using her tools to do it and her paint. Like, because he's trash. Seonji having skills surprises me. 
Mikage has mysteriously shown up in the apartment and is now talking to Seonji and is kind of making fun of him for living on the good graces of a female student when he used to be the vice president of the student council. Now he's a loser. Yeah. Mikage wants to know how Seonji plans to free himself from purgatory and offers for the Black Rose Seminar to give him a little bit of help, whatever that means. What it means is my heart breaking. I hate this stupid green trash fire man. Her, her her happy smile is gone now. Mikage says he only wants something from Seonji. Something small. Something insignificant. And then Anthe walks past Wakaba wearing the hair clip that Seonji gave her. And I'm so and... sad. And Wakaba's realizing as she talks into the Black Rose elevator that nothing that she does for Seonji is ever going to be good enough. And Anthe's only going to be the only one that he ever cares about. And Anthe's stealing everything away from her. And no matter what, Wakaba can never forgive Anthe. <laughs> and I'm so sad. <laughs> But Anthe walks by with the with the with the leaf is just. Wakaba said, "As long as she had Seonji, as long as he lived with her, she could be special too, a little longer, and she would have changed herself forever. But now, Anthe, that girl, has taken all of that." Mikage says, "I understand. Your only option is to revolutionize the world. The path you must take has already been prepared for you." Seonji is uh, kind of laughing about how easy it was to get Mikage to help him for just that small little thing. Wakaba shows up and asks him if he's going somewhere. Seonji is kind of laughing about how easy it was to get Mikage to help him for just that small little thing of the hair clip. Seonji sets course for a new age of glory. Wakaba comes through the door and asks him where he's going. And he apologizes for having been such a bother, but he's going back to his old world. She asks where her hair clip is, and he says he wasn't able to give it to her, but he plans on buying her something expensive. And he'd like to mail it if he can, because he's not staying here anymore, because he's an asshole. And Wakaba says, no, this ring that I've got is just fine. And then she rushes she, like, over. Jumps him. She jumps him and pulls the sword out of his chest. And then we see Utena at her locker because we're about to get our Aiko and Biko skit because the engaged has just gotten her dueling invitation. The skit is about animal people getting married and shit. Extra, extra, extra! At last, at last, at last, the rain has come. When rain falls on a sunny day, we have to marry fast. For us fox girls, it's our custom. You guys are lucky. We have to wait for it to snow on a sunny day before we can get married. For us rabbit girls, it's the law. Why get married at all? That is just, these kids are, they just get weirder. I imagine that this in particular is rooted in like Japanese mythology or whatever, but I don't know anything about it. At the end of the skit, Utena says, what's wrong with being single? But it's interesting in the English translation, in the English dub that I watched, she says, what's wrong with not getting married? Which are kind of mean the same thing, but are also different. There is, yeah, there, there is a shade of difference there. I 
And then we have, of course, the absolute Destiny Apocalypse. Yes. Our favorite scene, our favorite song. Which I am not able to listen to this time around because I've got to do it silent because I don't have headphones. Gasp. Yes. A great and terrible tragedy. Now you know how I feel. A gold-plated Shangri-La. I know. This is so unnatural. How can you survive this way? Because I have to for the people. For the people. And also because it makes it easier to record when I can do it this way. But if I played the, even with headphones on, if I played the audio from the the video we're watching, it would come in in the recording and that would just be a clusterfuck. (laughs) A clusterfuck of sound. Almost there. We're almost to the best duel, which is also simultaneously the worst duel, if you will. Oh, Utena's eyes. Look how horrified she is. Utena doesn't want to take the sword because she doesn't want to fight Wakaba. Like she's frozen. She can't. She can't use the sword against a friend, against Wakaba. But Wakaba's rushing her. So, you know, what are you going to do? God, it's like... She's going to get stabbed, I guess. Apparently. But she didn't actually get stabbed. I think she missed. Like, barely. Utena's like, what's going on? You were shining so brightly. Wakaba says she would never understand. And Utena now realizes that Seonji has been at the heart of this. But it's too late. She can't help anymore because she can't draw the sword. It's just like, geez. This is the closest she's come, I think, to, to losing outside of the one. Because how could she? Like, look at, like, look at that. Wakaba pulls her up by her hair and says, You and that girl from the student council, you all look down on me. You use these special gifts you were born with without a second thought. And you trample the rest of us. That's just a sad line. Utena says that she knows there's a lot about this she doesn't understand, but there's one thing that she's sure of. And that it's Wakaba is one of her closest friends. And she's going to save her. Does that kind of look like a dance move to you? It did look like dancing a little bit. And Utena maneuvers and gets the sword from Wakaba without drawing the sword from Anthe at all. Cuts the black rose off of Wakaba's uniform. And as Wakaba's falling, a single tear falls from her eyes. And the duel is over. And everyone is too sad to care because... Seonji's back at school, just beaming with satisfaction. Pretty smug for a guy who was expelled, isn't he? A bastard's face. I hate his stupid flowing hair. They're even flowing like that. There are disembodied girl voices talking about how did he reverse his expulsion, and it had something to do with the Black Rose seminar. And now Wakaba is walking back home alone. She always has. She comes in the door, she looks up, there's no one there, but she still says, I'm home. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Okay, so that was a lot. That was a lot. Where do we want to begin to talk about this? Do we want to talk about Seonji, or do we want to talk about Wakaba? Where where do we even begin? Okay, I think I'm going to try to do both at the same time. And I'm going to use my notes here that I furiously scribbled uh, through my tears watching this episode earlier. <sighs> Seonji is that terrible guy or that terrible person you think is cute and you just want them to like you so badly that you're willing to do anything for them, even to your own detriment. People like Seonji... Especially to your own detriment. 
People like Seonji will drain you of every drop that you've got. Their circumstances have been so unfortunate, and you are that shining light of good influence that will turn their life around. You want to help them so bad, and they will take every ounce they can from you because they need it. They deserve it. They have had all of these horrible things happen to them. They deserve this help that you are so freely giving them. And they're not going to realize that they're being cruel most of the time. They probably don't think that they're being cruel, but they are. You will let them be cruel because you are a font of human kindness. It will be hard, but you can't let people like Seonji take advantage of you. And when I say that, I don't mean to make it sound like I'm putting like the onus on the person. I'm not trying to say like if someone like Seonji has ever taken advantage of you that this is your fault because it's not. It's their fault and they're taking advantage of something, this weakness, this perceived weakness that they see in you. Because oftentimes when people like Seonji take advantage of you, it's because you don't feel as strongly about yourself. And they see that weakness, they see that hole in you, and they see how they can exploit that. But like, man, it really just sucks. And I don't know if that's the message that this episode was trying to impart, but that's the message that I got from it, is that like, there are people out there who will make you feel special when you feel like you need something else to make you feel special. But you're already special person listening to this podcast, and you don't need Seonji to tell you that you're special. Wakaba was special already, even if she didn't see it. This the the whole like this sort of mindset that she has is that it rests on a fundamental assumption that she is normal and thus not interesting or worth any consideration that it's just bizarre. Like, yeah, she isn't quite the sensation that Utana is, because Utana is, you know, people know who she is. But she's the only one that Utana, like, really is close to. Even after Anthony, like, she's there all the time. Like, and it's weird from the outside for us to look at her and think, why does she get that? Like, why doesn't that seem to weigh into this calculation at all? But that's what she is seeing is this sort of, like, everyone is leaving me behind. And it is so, so dumb and also incredibly relatable, like, painfully so yeah wakaba just it's hard for wakaba to see that she's special too because she sees all these other people doing these things around her that she perceives as being interesting and more special and she feels like these people around her are accomplishing more and are able to do more because of some innate quality within them and it just seems like throughout her whole life from what we've gotten from Wakaba as a character it seems like she has had this problem of not feeling special and needing to feel special and wanting to try to find that feeling special through somebody else whether it was through the onion prince when she was a kid whether it was through Utena up until Utena started getting involved in the dueling stuff whether it was through Seonji now it just seems like she's always felt like she has to use someone else as the basis for her brilliance. And I mean that in a literal sense, kind of. A, a metaphorical literal sense, but not in the intelligent sense. Her the shine, brilliance of life, yeah. She feels like she needs to... She feels like 
Wakaba is a sun. She's a star. She radiates her own light, but she feels like she's not. She has this misperception that she is the moon and that she needs other people's light and she needs to magnify other people's light. And that's the only way that she's going to have a light. But she needs to see that she has her own light. And it sucks that she doesn't. And it sucks that even at the end of this episode, we don't really get resolution on that mostly not because it should turn around this quickly but because I want Wakaba to be happy because I love her and she's one of the best most pure characters on this show and it makes me really sad that she would think that she's not worth it but yeah I don't remember how all of this resolves with Wakaba but she kind of reminds me of uh conceptually kind of reminds me of uh sailor moon's best friend from in the beginning of the show the one that's not a sailor scout naru who like is always sort of left behind in these uh adventures that usagi ends up going on and then like sort of has to accept the fact that like her best friend is a superhero even if her best friend can't actually tell her and I feel like Wakaba is sort of like a like a darker analog to that and an exploration of how a person in that situation would actually feel as opposed to the idealized version of how they should feel. Yeah, it's... Because Naru does not handle having her best friend abandon her for a group of new best friends who she doesn't know anything about in the way that an actual person would she deals like it she deals with it in an idealized version of the ever supportive best friend and i feel like there's like a direct line between that and wakaba yeah because this is this is more realistic and I wish it weren't because it's terrible and there's really no like the end of this episode. Wakaba is sad and alone and you know? And how much does she even remember, you know? Like how much like how much it you know because when the duel is over usually the person who was dueling doesn't remember what happened so like if she doesn't remember this duel that she had with Utena is she gonna be able to grow in the same way that she would if she had that memory I don't know interesting like most of these duels with the black rose they like afterwards they're better in a way I like, could argue they're... that Wakaba is better this way, but only because Seonji is not living in her but, apartment. Like, they and also seem to be like, doing better, and she seems to be doing worse than she was when she started. I feel like she made lateral movement, maybe. Like, like it's technically a good thing that Seonji's gone, but she hasn't really been able to improve necessarily. She just is so sad at the end. Yeah, when she gets back in her apartment and she says that she's home to her empty apartment, my heart just breaks into two pieces and falls out my butt. I'm so sad about it. (laughs) Just makes sad noises. Yeah. Uh, But this this is a good episode, even if it makes me really sad. And I don't know, like, I feel like it's important. I feel like seeing this is important seeing like i don't know if everyone watching will maybe get what i think is important about it but i hope that they do because like people like seonji are out there and like they will take advantage of your kindness it's cool that they like can't address this 
and be like, no, just it is hard to like shows try to address stuff of this nature. Like it, they, they, they fumble it and you end up feeling like a hard time having sympathy for this person in the plot, in this plight, because you're seeing it totally from the outside. But they, they did a really good job of showing us like, a little bit of the inside on like what she is doing, what she is feeling. And it just, I don't know, it works. Part of the problem with trying to do this sort of thing in other shows is that usually everything tries to be wrapped up neatly at the end of a single episode, sort of like how I was wishing that this one could be. But like, I mean, like we said, this is more realistic. It doesn't wrap up at the end of the episode and she hasn't necessarily made the amount of growth that we would hope from this situation and other shows just try to when they attack when they talk about something like this they try to put it in like a very special episode but like with Utena like the whole heart of Utena the whole like fundamental aspect of Utena as a show is the character interactions and the ways that these care the character relationships and the way that these characters affect each other and hurt each other and influence each other and this is just another aspect of that this is just another side of that infinite sided dice of terrible character relationships in the show and oh man i just hate seonji so much he is the worst there, there is a, a running, I, I don't know, like, sometimes I think Toga's the worst. Sometimes I think Seonji's the worst. I definitely know who I think is the number one worst. But, like, as for that number two spot, it often waffles between Toga and Seonji. Which, totally uh, diverging from this whole serious conversation that we've been getting into. I meant to mention this at the top of the show, and I didn't. But uh, if you watch Steven Universe, you may have recognized the voice of Toga's voice actor as Connie's dad. Oh, don't remind me. I just succeeded, succeeded in forgetting. I was watching the some of the newer episodes of Steven Universe, and I was thinking to myself, man, that guy that voices Connie's dad sounds really familiar, because we've heard him talk before, but it just hadn't been to that extent, I guess, or maybe it just didn't stick out to me before, but I was just listening, I'm like, where have I heard this man's voice before? And so I looked it up, and it's fucking Toga. It's just... I can't reconcile these things. They are irreconcilable. It's just such a, they're just so, so different. But I mean, also like that was like, you know, almost 20 years ago too. But he sounds the same. I guess he's definitely, he's clearly doing a different voice, but like, it's still like, you can hear it obviously since I heard it. No, I I don't want to hear it. (laughs) So like I was going to eventually... He's a good voice actor. I'm going to look up his name so we can give him a shout out. Because he has... Toga's terrible, but he this man has a nice, smooth voice. I, does, though. I know I recognize his name, but does. I don't uh, remember it off the top of my head. And I'm going to probably kick myself when I figure it out. Crispin Freeman. That's it. Crispin Freeman is the voice of the English dub of Toga and also of... Uh, Connie Mah- Maheswaran's dad. Doug. Doug Maheswaran. That's his name. 
I didn't. I like. I would. I did. I was there. Nah, I was not sure that they even given him a name. I thought he was just Mister. Yeah, the episode is called Dugout. I think. Oh, that's why it's Dugout. Yeah, and because he's Doug, they're because they're on a stakeout with Doug, so it's called Dugout. <laughs> that's the only reason I remember, honestly. Blown. I thought it was just a joke based on the name, but I didn't realize the name was significant. Yep. But yeah, so that's fun. I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad he's getting work. I like seeing voice actors from Utena and other things. There you go. Oh, yeah. But back to this episode. Forever. <laughs> I just forever. Yeah, like, I remember the first time watching this episode was just like, oh, okay. Because I just like, the the ones before that have been all like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the and one, then... the couple directly before this were, uh, it was... Mitsuru's impatience and was the one right before this also a Wakaba episode? Yeah, remember because this prints. the one before this is the Onion Prince. Yeah, it's it's been a little a while since we recorded. And they don't take the Onion Prince because he's just sad and not also like. Oh, what does it. it say about? What does it say about Wakaba that she was able to be taken in by the Black Rose Seminar? If we know that, like, not everybody gets taken in. I mean, it pains me to say it, but it seems to be that the defining factor is that there's a poisonousness. Toxicity. Like a, a toxicity to healing. Like, there's a toxicity that you need. And there's just something not right about Wakaba's and other people that is an acid that um, no vessel can hold. A pain that, that like, demands to be felt. Yeah. Whereas Onion Prince was just sad. Yeah, he's just a sad boy. Boy, like, it wasn't necessarily toxic. Maybe give him a couple of years and he'll, like, blossom into, I don't know, like the onion toxic flower or something. Um, <laughs> that dude is. He certainly had the potential for his feelings to turn toxic. I've definitely known people yeah. in real life that were like that and who definitely turned out to be toxic but i like the idea that onion prince is proof that maybe not everyone in this awful universe is toxic this awful utina universe at least he isn't yet wakaba's view of herself and others is incredibly so and incredibly skewed due to her own self-doubt and feelings of inferiority because it's just like imagine if you had to hear that from like someone who was like your best friend it would make me really sad yeah it just that horror defied look on her face yeah oh, i'm just i'm gonna be sad the rest of the, i'm gonna be sad the rest of the day look the lesson is don't take care of toxic garbage people just because they make you feel good because just because they make you feel good doesn't mean it's always going to feel good. And that that toxicity is going to catch up one day. And usually these are bad people and they're not going to treat you the way that you deserve to be treated because they're bad people and they don't know how to do that. And that doesn't mean that they're beyond learning how to treat people right. But you don't have to sacrifice yourself. You don't have to set yourself on fire to keep them warm. If there's any last word I can say here, it's probably they're never going to be nice to you. You can want them to be nice to you really badly, but in the end, no amount of niceness that you can give to another person will guarantee niceness in return. And usually people say that about, like, quote-unquote, nice guys who are trying to be nice to girls to get them to 
do stuff with them. But it also applies here in situations where somebody wants to take advantage of your kindness. They're never going to be nice to you in the way that you want them to. And it sucks. Well, I guess that's it for this downer of an episode. Do you have any last words other than that one? Say it gets it, it's gonna get better, but no, it's not really. It's just gonna get sadder. It gets somewhere. It is a a a slowly sliding scale of sadness and 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 trauma. Well, you haven't seen the end of this though, so. Oh, I know it will be that way. I mean, it's it can, something. I tell you that much. Not be any other way. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtanaCast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can they follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at Lyrewolf, at Lyrewolf, at L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. If you want to follow us on Tumblr, you can do that at ImagineMeAndUtana.tumblr.com. I haven't updated in a little while with fan art and GIFs, but I will do that soon. So if you want Utena content, that's your place to find it. Uh, if you want to email us, you have any questions, concerns, comments, you can do that at imaginemeandutena at gmail.com. And if you want to support us on Patreon, that would be super cool. You can find that link on our SoundCloud. If you don't, that's okay too. We'll still do this. show will always be free just for you and only you, person listening. Because you're our best friend. And we love you. All right, revolutionize the world, everybody.